Figaro, you know what I wished? I wished that my little Pinocchio might be a real boy. Wouldn't that be nice? Just think, a real boy. A wooden puppet dreams of being a real boy, but he first has to learn how to be brave, truthful, and unselfish. Listen as we discuss the female version of Jiminy Cricket, the Quentin Tarantino version of Geppetto, and the stuff of James's childhood nightmares. When you wish upon a star, you find out if Pinocchio stands the test of time. It's the test of time, James and Alan have their say. Do the movies you love still hold up today? James says gladiator with the glut. Alan says as a father, blah, blah. It's the test of time, James and Alan have their say. Love still hold up today. Test of time, James and Allen have to say. Do you really love still hold up today? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Test of Time podcast, where we talk about movies that are, you know, have aged a little, at least 15 years, sometimes, like today, almost a century old, and we see if they stand the test of time. Joining me, as always, is my buddy, my pal, the co-creator of this podcast, the director of this podcast, Alan Noah. Hello, James. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, You know, I'm kind of excited about uh, today's podcast because Pinocchio, that's a movie that I grew up with, but um, I have not seen this film in its entirety in decades. Same. uh, You know, it is wild to watch this film uh, as a film that I casually watched when I was like four, five, six years old. Yeah, I definitely remembered bits and pieces of it, but not all of it. And there were certainly a few moments that I was like, whoa. So yes, I am excited to talk about Pinocchio with you today. I had forgotten that Jiminy Cricket was from Pinocchio. I knew Jiminy Cricket really from kind of Disney shorts. They had him as a character and other little small cartoons and I liked seeing him almost like, oh, he's in a feature film, whereas um, he was actually spun off from the, the Pinocchio feature film. And that was interesting uh, with Jiminy Cricket because uh, of some recent news. Have you ever heard of a play called Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are Dead? It sounds vaguely familiar, but I, I couldn't tell you anything about it. Those two guys, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, they are side characters in Shakespeare's Hamlet. And then Tom Stoppard, he made an entire play based on these side characters, and they interact with the Hamlet play uh, tangentially. But like, what's their story, and what what's the whole deal with them? This has been repeated throughout the years. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the Lion King one point five. No, but I know of it. It's like the same story, but told from Timon and Pumbaa's point of view, right? Right, right, right. So there's entire parts that have nothing to do with the Lion King story. But then, of course, it interacts with uh, meeting Simba at some point. And there's something in the news. And I have to say, Al, this idea for a movie is either terrible or it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. The Ferris Bueller's Day Off spinoff slash sequel that is about the two valets that take the Ferrari and it's their day off. It's called Sam and Victor's Day Off. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And 
If there's a good story, this is a fantastic, you know, hangover kind of film where there's a time crunch. They have to get this Ferrari back. Why did they take the, the Ferrari? Why are they cheering when they first leave? You know, why are they racing so fast maybe that they're flying over the hills? Were they joyriding or is there more to that story? This is an opportunity for just a good story. Or it could be terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the thing about it is that when you first hear the concept, or at least when I first heard the concept, my reaction was, huh, that could be interesting. And then I see that the guys who are behind this movie are the guys behind Cobra Kai. And then I think, okay, now I'm more interested because those guys took a property that was, you know, long dead, or maybe not dead, but long finished, and they breathed new life into it in a way that I find really interesting and entertaining. And so, yeah, the idea that these guys would tackle this iconic 80s property and breathe new life into it, well, yeah, they are doing that right now with Cobra Kai. So, sure, I would think that it's in good hands. Uh, I mean, as a kid, I kind of did wonder about those two valets and like what they were up to. And one of them is the guy who works at the parking facility where they bring the Ferrari. And then like some other guy just jumps in with him as he's pulling out. Like, are they friends? Who is that guy? I don't know. Like, I would be interested to watch that movie. Would I go to a theater and pay 12 bucks a ticket for it? I don't know. But if it was on... Hulu or Netflix or HBO Max or something, I would absolutely watch that. You know, it's similar to that recent Hulu film, Prey, which is, it's a new take on the Predator concept. And it pays homage to the old films, but it's definitely its own thing being within the franchise. So I'm very excited for the potential. The creators here have some cred, like you said. You know, they are the Cobra Kai people, and they've done a very good job so far. I will watch it unless I hear it's absolute garbage, in which case I might see it to see how bad can this be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, it should be noted that they're going to have to recast the actors. Not surprising that, uh, you know, the guys who played the valets or the valet and his friend in Ferris Bueller's Day Off are considerably older now. One of them actually passed away. So, you know, they'll need to get new actors. But that's okay. That's fine. And they'll absolutely offer that other actor a cameo, I would assume. You know, sure. That would be nice to see. If nothing else, it generates goodwill for the film. Like, it's a no-brainer. Just get him to be a bartender in a scene. And have him say, relax. I'm a professional. <laughs> and then and then people like you and me can go, ah, he said the lie. That's his thing. But Ferris Bueller's Day Off came out in 1986. That's getting a spinoff. And Pinocchio, which came out in 1940, is getting a live action remake coming out now on Disney+. Plus. This podcast episode comes out on September 9th. The live action remake hits Disney Plus on September 8th. So it's out now. And in honor of the new live action movie, I thought we should go back to the original animated Pinocchio from 1940. So... The movie, if you need a refresher, is about kind toy maker Geppetto, and he wishes for his puppet Pinocchio to be a real boy. 
Then his wish is granted, but it has some restrictions. If Pinocchio can learn to be brave, truthful, and unselfish, he will become a true, real boy. The fairy who brings Pinocchio to life also recruits Jiminy Cricket to be the boy's conscience, and teach him the difference between right and wrong. Unfortunately, Pinocchio runs into a con man, who's ironically named Honest John. Honest John sells Pinocchio to Stromboli, who runs a puppet show. Pinocchio, as a puppet who can sing and dance without strings, is a star. But Stromboli imprisons the boy, and the fairy has to rescue him. Pinocchio resolves to be good, but Honest John recruits him into another scheme, where he is sent to Pleasure Island with other poorly behaved boys. There, the boys turn into donkeys, and Jiminy Cricket saves Pinocchio just in time. Meanwhile, Geppetto has been looking for his son, and he is swallowed by Monstro the Whale. So, Pinocchio and Jiminy head into the belly of the beast to rescue Geppetto. Pinocchio's brave and unselfish act saving his father allows him to finally turn into a real boy. So this movie came out in 1940, and I saw in my research today that upon its initial release, it was not a hit because of World War II, right? Well, um, the movie was released on February 23rd, 1940. Uh, the uh, United States was not at war in February 1940. But, I, I mean, it was also still, the, I guess, the end of the Depression. And um, I guess it just wasn't the time for it. And it eventually was released and re-released. And it's become a sensation. I mean, uh, When You Wish Upon a Star is kind of uh, an iconic song. That song is the official theme song of, like, the Walt Disney Company. Anytime you see a Disney movie, even today, when they do the Walt Disney logo at the very beginning, you hear the instrumental of When You Wish Upon a Star. 82 years later, that is still the Disney song. Yeah, and actually at the 1941 Oscars, When You Wish Upon a Star won Best Music Original Song and Original Score for this film. Right, which Disney has repeated a handful of times since, winning both of those Oscars. Right, and I've told you before that uh, Walt Disney is still the record holder for a number of Oscar nominations. Do you remember who number two is? No idea. Here's a good hint. Number two is still alive. Uh, number two is still working. And as of next year, he will not be working, is what he has said. John Williams? John Williams. Yes, John Williams is second to Walt Disney with uh, Oscar nominations. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and he's apparently retiring after Indy 5, right? I think so. Yeah. So Pinocchio was originally budgeted at half a million dollars, 500000 and it went way over budget to two and a half million, and it's had many re-releases. Do you remember this brilliant marketing scheme? Uh, not scheme. I mean, it was a brilliant marketing campaign called the Disney Vault throughout our childhood. Yeah, of course. Movies would be released on VHS and later DVD for a very limited time. Buy it now before it goes back in the Disney vault and then you can't buy it. We won't sell it to you. You have to buy it right now. But they stuck to their word. And if you didn't buy The Little Mermaid during those four months, usually during holiday season, it would not be released on video for another 10 years. It was a brilliant marketing campaign, and they would even say, there's only one month left at the end of the month. We're putting them all in the vault, and they really did buy them back from Toys R Us and you know all the places. 
Right, 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 right. Pinocchio itself was re-released in theaters uh, twice during our childhood. In 1984, it made $26 million. 1992, it made $18 million. And you could really see that they're just starting to get into the techniques of advanced animation from like the the old uh, flip books and and that kind of stuff. And I had to watch one of these um, wonderful world of Disney kind of things. I watched a little seven minute short on how they did those like pan shots where you could tell they're zooming in and out of these different shots through 3D depth perception. And when you'd see this beautiful Italian village with the moon in the background, the moon would be on its own glass pane and there would be four planes of uh, cells. There would be the first uh, houses, there would be the bell tower, and then suddenly you zoom past the first bell tower that you didn't see a tall building. And that's how you get some of these brilliant shots that they have where they could zoom in and out of uh of drawbridges and stuff yeah you know i definitely felt like this movie disney was kind of showing off their animation techniques and it should be noted this was the second animated feature that the disney company made snow white and the seven dwarfs was first and then this movie was second so they hadn't been in the animation business or at least the animation feature film business for all that long and I still thought that the animation looked really cool. There's that shot of Jiminy Cricket hopping over to Geppetto's house from his point of view. There are shots that are from Cleo's point of view. Cleo is the goldfish that Geppetto has. And you see the world through her eyes, through the the goldfish bowl. And I was like, this all looks really cool. I was kind of expecting the animation to be, meh, hey, it's only their second movie. They've still got a lot to learn. But I thought it was really, really impressive. I agree completely. Um, You were talking about this Jiminy Cricket shot where the camera jumps up and down and then jumps in the window. And to a 1940 audience, a 1940s, 50s, that's a wowing effect. There's a reason why that effect is not done today. It is a little bit dizzying. I didn't find myself getting dizzy, but (laughs) there's a reason it's not done. And the cell animation that he did is absolutely beautiful. And the colors are crisp they're bright Pinocchio has really bright blues and reds and everything came out really nice this blue fairy and the animation zooming in right Uh, because you mentioned the blue fairy I was reading that the actress who was like the real life model for the blue fairy she was also the model for the Columbia Pictures woman she kind of looks like the Statue of Liberty right yeah she does um you know we already talked about the uh the opening number, uh, When You Wish Upon a Star, that's when Geppetto basically has uh, this wish. But even some of the other little parts, his little musical numbers that he plays on the jukebox, uh, not the jukebox, his little music boxes, I think it's very cute. Uh, it's a way to kind of play a simple song, but I was entertained because there was a lot to watch. Everything in Geppetto's workshop is really interesting to look at, and I was impressed by the animations. He has a million clocks on the wall, and they're intricate. Like, you can see that a lot of work went into animating them. Apparently, they built real clocks that the animators used as models to draw from, which is also, like, a ton of work and really impressive. Some of those clocks were 
a little bit weird from a test of time perspective. Well, really <laughs> one in particular where the cuckoo clock coming out to indicate the hour it's like a woman spanking a child on his bare butt and the boy is crying. That seems weird in a Disney movie today. Well, today, yes. In the 40s, not so much. Um, right. There's also this uh, this town drunk who keeps coming out and he's drinking. It's got adorable little like bands going around and teddy bears and it also has adult themes. Speaking of adult themes... Some of these clocks have female figurines, and Jiminy Cricket, like, is making eyes at a lot of them. I did not remember that Jiminy Cricket was a horny little devil. He is a little bit. Uh, I don't think there is a Geraldine Cricket in his life. (laughs) Is that the female version of Jiminy Cricket? Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking of, uh, you know, a woman with a J. Uh, Geraldine would start with a G. A uh, Jasmine? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. There's no Jasmine Cricket in his life. And he does uh, get turned on by a couple uh, inanimate objects in this film. And the Blue Fairy. She kind of, like, looks at him and gives him, like, oh, you. And he's like, can I get a badge? Yes, a badge of gold? Sure, whatever. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, he's just, like, smiling at him. And he's like, gee, uh, whiz. It's meant innocently, but certainly today, this would be different. And I think it's okay to acknowledge this. Right. It just kind of struck me as a little bit weird. My guess is that there will not be spanking uh, figurines, nor will Jiminy Cricket be getting it on with any of the clocks in the remake. But I could be wrong about either of those. Right. Uh, So Geppetto makes this wish. Uh, He wishes for Pinocchio to be a real boy, and then his wish is granted. And so he comes to life, and then Geppetto's like, okay, well, tomorrow you'll go to school. And Pinocchio's saying, why? Well, you have to learn. Why? Because it's important to gain knowledge. Why? And as a father, I thought this scene was very, very funny and very true to life because that is what all kids say when they're little and they don't understand things or when they just kind of want to be a little annoying. They will just ask why repeatedly. I've loved that line since I was a little child. The why, and then instead of saying, shut up, he basically (laughs) just says, because. And Pinocchio goes, oh. And the scene ends. It's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did think it was weird that Geppetto is so insistent about sending Pinocchio to school right away. I mean, he has gained consciousness hours ago and geppetto's like all right well you're a boy you got to go to school today it's like wait 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 hold on slow down first you need to go into the school talk to the administrators let them know that the kid is made of wood right that's something you maybe want to give the superintendent a heads up about (laughs) superintendent in the (laughs) what when is this from this is from uh it's in italy in uh what was that the 1700s 1600s i think late 1800s i believe Uh but like you could do that in i don't know a couple of days doesn't have to be immediately I mean, I appreciate that Geppetto puts a value on education, but he could slow down just a little bit. Also, he sends Pinocchio to school just like 
go that way, bye. He doesn't show him where the building is. Like, you have to take the kid to school. You have to walk him in. You have to hold his hand and bring him to his classroom. At least on the first day, he wasn't alive 12 hours ago. I mean, come on, Geppetto. I agree 100%. And I also love how the thing he packs with him is uh, it's a thing in old school cartoons. Uh, It's not a backpack, but they just have this leather strap that they strap around their books. I love that thing. And he only has one book. Yeah, but well, presumably he'll come home with more. And Pinocchio immediately meets this character, Honest John, who sells him over to Stromboli, this character who runs a circus of some sort, you know, a performing show. And he's finally got Pinocchio, the puppet with no strings. And, you know, Jiminy Cricket is like, no, you can't go to the circus. This is wrong. And Pinocchio's like, no, I'm going to go. And Pinocchio performs and he does this uh, fun little song, uh, I've Got No Strings, to hold me down. And the crowd loves him. And Jiminy's like, oh, this guy's a huge star. Like, I was totally wrong when I said he needs to go to uh, school and that the circus was a terrible idea. Maybe I was wrong and I'm a terrible conscience. The line that he says is, what does an actor want with a conscience anyway? Which I thought was a pretty funny meta line said by an actor who was uncredited. Disney didn't credit their actors in the old days. That just wasn't done. Oh, there are a lot of digs at actors in this film. The other one is when Pinocchio says that he'd rather be smart than be an actor. That made me laugh out loud. I'm like, ah, an actor said that. That's funny. Yeah, and and there's also a line in the song, an actor's life for me, and it's not played uh, with dignity. And I I thought it was very interesting. I was thinking the same thing, like these poor guys are, you know, they're they're performing something for you, Mr. Disney, and you're just basically ragging on them. But then again, sometimes you do that in films. Tropic Thunder. Yeah, yeah. I just, I didn't realize that like movies were meta in 1940, but I liked it. I, I did appreciate that. Now that you say that they're meta, you know, the old formula for Disney films was that there would be a storybook and they would open that storybook and now they would, you know, kind of zoom in on a picture and it would come to life. You've seen this before, right? Sure. Yeah. These stories that your parents and your grandparents and great grandparents have been telling for centuries, suddenly Walt Disney is showing you, look how I'm going to read you this story. The book comes out, you open it, and it kind of looks like the storybook that you read. I think it has a slightly different effect on us than it did to people in the 40s. I think they were kind of blown away that this was, you know, not meta, but this is like, this is freaking me out that this is the same thing my grandma told me about Pinocchio, but this is like, I'm seeing the kid on screen. Yeah, definitely. And the reason why these stories were told for generations, and the reason why Disney decided to make them into cartoons, is because they're morality tales. They teach lessons about right and wrong. And I think it's important to note that Pinocchio doesn't make the wrong decision by going off with Honest John to join Stromboli's puppet show. It's not the case where Pinocchio is thinking, huh, well, if I go to school, that'll be a lot of hard work. But if I go to this show, then I'll be an actor and then I'll make money easily. And that's better than like studying really hard and getting a good job and working really hard. He's not making a bad decision. He's just following the person who's saying, come with me. He Ah. is innocent and doing what a pure, innocent child would do, which is why 
parents are always freaking out about don't go with strangers. And Pinocchio just doesn't know that yet because he's only been conscious for several hours. So I kind of felt like the whole don't do the wrong thing, I'm teaching you right from wrong was a little off. I agree with you 100% that he is pure and innocent, but while he doesn't know right from wrong yet, the Blue Fairy gave him one instruction, always let your conscience be your guide. And Jiminy Cricket tried to tell him not to go along with Honest John and to go to school. And he did not listen to him. And eventually he does let his conscience be his guide. I mean, it's not literally Jiminy Cricket anymore. It's going to be his conscience, his actual, like, you know, his personal conscience. That's what I think it is. Because you said it was very interesting. Look, all he did was he followed Honest John. Exactly. He didn't follow his conscience. Like, yes, you are correct. But Jiminy Cricket says... Tell Honest John, no, you're not going to go to school. And Pinocchio says, okay. And then Honest John says, all right, follow me. And Pinocchio says, okay. Like he's just saying yes to the last thing he hears, which is what an innocent kid would do. I don't even think he has like the cognitive capacity to remember what he heard a minute ago. Like he's not making the right choice or the wrong choice because he doesn't even understand what a choice is. Like that's not a concept that he gets, you know, like I'm I'm cutting him a lot of slack because he is basically a newborn. I will agree with you in one regard that several times in this film, Jiminy Cricket has been physically separated from Pinocchio through no fault except he's running faster than him. Like, why isn't Jiminy hiding in his hat? Pinocchio's wearing a hat. Hide in the hat so when Honest John says a rebuttal, he can go, just keep saying no, Pinocchio. Just go to school. Keep saying, thank you, sir. No, I have to go to school. Thank you, sir. No. And it's just like, you're right. He gave him one reply. Honest John's a con man. He knows how to say, like, another thing to him. And there's another point where Pinocchio doesn't know what to do. And Jiminy Cricket is, like, far behind again. It happens twice where there's good reasons to separate Jiminy Cricket from uh, Pinocchio so that he can make these mistakes. But I hope there's a little better explanation about why Jiminy Cricket's not around. In the remake, 100%, there will be a reason why Jiminy Cricket isn't with Pinocchio when he should be. It could be like for a character reason, because maybe Jiminy Cricket is lazy and he doesn't take this conscience job seriously. And then he learns a lesson. Or maybe it's something silly because Figaro is like batting him around and and that's why he's not there. It doesn't have to be a big reason, but it needs to be a reason. I am 100% confident that that will happen in the new version. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it was a small thing that I was just kind of like, ugh, Jimmy Cricket, get your act together. Yeah. Like, the Blue Fairy gave you some nice clothes. He looks like he's a homeless cricket. Like, his clothes are, and his hat are falling apart. She gives him kind of like a tuxedo, and, you know, you have a job, man. Yeah, you have one job. Also, when he's lecturing Pinocchio about right and wrong and don't give in to temptation and you have to resist urges and you have to walk on the straight and narrow path. All of that sounded like abstinence education from like a religious school, right? Like just those words delivered in that way. It made me think of like a religious version of sex ed. And yes, obviously I understand that like There could be temptation with that bag of potato chips, or you have to resist the urge to eat all of those M&Ms or whatever. But like the way that he said it, 
definitely gave me like abstinence sex ed kind of vibes i mean we're certainly going to get into that uh at this next scene well before we get to pleasure island i have to talk about the scene that gets us to pleasure island and that's with uh this guy referred to as the coachman he recruits honest john and his you know henchmen to kidnap boys and they're going to bring them to pleasure island and even honest john is like uh pleasure island like even honest john is like has some hesitation but he still goes along with it and did you notice what the uh inn is called where they have this conversation i did not notice no it's called the red lobster inn which i thought was kind of funny ha 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 before red lobster was a thing Yes, yes. And speaking of funny, the next scene is not funny in any way, and it is the source of many, many early James childhood nightmares. I'm talking, of (laughs) course, about Pleasure Island. Holy shit. This is a terrifying, terrifying scene. I still think it's terrifying all these decades later and (laughs) they round up all these boys and these are meant to be you know quote-unquote bad boys they're smoking and they're drinking and this one kid lampwick he has a slingshot you know so these are bad kids and bad kids leave their parents and go off to pleasure island it has like uh ferris wheels and merry-go-rounds and just buildings to destroy and it's basically like a bad boy's uh paradise right and so this scared you because you were a bad boy and you were worried that you would go to pleasure island and be tempted like pinocchio and lampwick were the thing about pleasure island is uh it's not explained why and i hope the remake doesn't get into too much of the science behind it but uh bad boys or any boys that that stay there they turn into donkeys and this guy lampwick who's with uh pinocchio he starts turning into uh, a donkey this guy's a jerk he is he's probably a bully he's probably a bad kid uh but i mean the terror in his eyes and he's like come on help me call anybody and when he calls for his mama before he turns into a donkey, to me, I think it's absolutely terrifying. Here's a clip of it. See what you think about this. What the? What's going on? Oh, I've been double-crossed. Help, help. Somebody help. I've been framed. Help. Please, you got to help me. Be a pal. Call that beetle. Call anybody. I think that that is terrifying. I won't have nightmares of it now, but I definitely thought um, that was absolutely terrifying. You hope you won't have nightmares about it now. You won't admit to it if you do, will you? Well, I also feel like if I realize I'm on Pleasure Island, you could certainly party there for several hours and nothing happens to you. Well, you know, you said that you hope in the remake they don't explain too much of how it works in Pleasure Island, and I don't think you need a ton of exposition, but I did feel it was somewhat lacking in this movie where basically the coachman just says, well, if left to their own devices, boys will turn themselves into a jackass, which 
That word, by the way, I am very confident will not be in the new version. Not even just because it has the word ass in it and it's a Disney movie. I just don't think that modern audiences will know that jackass equals donkey. You know, like, I just think that would be lost in translation. That's absolutely correct. Like, people would make the pun if it was still something. Because, you know, it's it's a real word. Right, but it's just not a thing that people would get today. But, like, why is it that all of these kids turn into donkeys? Why is it that Pinocchio and Lampwick don't? Why are they the last two? They're doing all of the other bad things, just like all of the other kids. Why is Pinocchio extra slow to turn into a donkey? Why is it that the process stops when he leaves the island? I don't need 45 minutes of exposition, but a little something I think would help. Also, a thing that's definitely not going to be in the remake, the smoking and drinking. I get it. I get it. They're bad kids. And it's kind of like a lesson that, oh, the bad kids smoke and drink beer. But no, the hero of the 2022 Disney Plus movie is not going to be smoking cigars and drinking beer. Well, um, first of all, it seemed like Pinocchio and Lampic were in a bar on the outskirts of the island. Even if they are going to put some explanation, there could be a gas that's slowly smoking down from the center on out. There could be a reason it, it hits Pinocchio last, because they do mention where all the other boys, and Lampic's like, eh, they're around somewhere. So they're definitely aware that it's much quieter now. And um, as for the remake, I wouldn't be surprised if they're drinking and smoking. I mean, it seems he smoked a couple cigars that night. He might try a cigar and then, you know, turn blue in the face kind of thing. But I could see him trying that and trying alcohol and then, you know, spitting it out or something. I don't think so. I don't think they were going to do that. I mean, you want to make a uh, gentlemanly wager on it? Um, 10,000 Bitcoin. Uh, that is not a gentlemanly wager. I was going to say like a slice of pizza or something. 10,000 slices of pizza. No, no, you're, you are not good at this. Um, I'll tell you what definitely won't be in it. The shot of the Native American statue throwing the cigarettes at the children. That definitely won't be in the 2022 version. Yeah, probably not. So Pinocchio, he does manage to escape, uh, half transformed into a donkey in the nick of time, and he swims ashore. He finds the the cabin empty, and the blue fairy sends him a letter that basically says, uh, Geppetto went out looking for you, and he was swallowed by a whale. This whole thing is weird. First of all, the blue fairy had earlier said that she was not going to help Pinocchio again. By telling Pinocchio where Geppetto is, she is helping. Even though she's not, like, taking him to him, she is still helping. She is interfering. Also, it's just weird that, like, Pinocchio goes home and finds out that Geppetto is gone. In the new version, I am very, very confident that Geppetto will have a bigger role. One, because he's played by Tom Hanks. Two, because it's just, like, weird that he disappears from this movie. My prediction is that While Pinocchio is leaving Pleasure Island, Geppetto is sailing towards Pleasure Island. They see each other. They're about to reunite. But then something happens. They're separated. And then Pinocchio sees Monstro eat Geppetto. And then Pinocchio has to rescue him. Like the whole letter from the fairy thing is just a weird plot device. I think a simple, simple explanation is Geppetto left a note. 
that says sure. Dear Pinocchio. I went out and then Pinocchio's going to go sailing. He gets swallowed by the whale. Oh, that sucks. But oh, great. Geppetto's there. Boom. That's it. Or maybe you have Honest John come back. Like Geppetto finds out where Pinocchio went because he interrogates Honest John. And then Pinocchio finds out because Honest John admits it. Oh, your dad was looking for you. I told him you were on the way to Pleasure Island. And then, you know, maybe that whale got him or something. Like there's a scene or two missing from this movie. (laughs) The missing scene I need to see is what you just said. Geppetto interrogating Honest John successfully. So that Honest John tells him where he shipped children to never be seen by their parents again like this is some bad has tarantino geppetto shit like this is like (laughs) seriously honest john is the kind of guy he's not going to talk easily geppetto got the answer out of him in your version that you just said all right you you took a lot of leaps from what i said you are putting a lot of words into my mouth you basically said he successfully interrogates a con man interrogates he doesn't con him he interrogates him and i'm taking what you said and i'm going interesting jump off point now I'm not saying that he's going to chop off Honest John's ear. Well, I think all he has to do is he has to pick up a little, like, toy, like, pick or a toy screw. And he goes, you know, I'm incredibly accurate with these tools. And he just slowly comes in the camera. And next thing you know, he finds out that uh, Pinocchio went to Pleasure Island. Well... I don't know about torture, but I am confident that in the remake, we will see more of Honest John and or Stromboli and or the Coachman, because this movie does have three villains that disappear. Like, we don't see any of them get any kind of comeuppance. There's no retribution. They don't learn any lessons. They don't get what's coming to them in any way, shape, or form. I'm betting that in the remake, that will happen. I could see that happening. Yeah, yeah, um, Pinocchio, he comes up with an idea while they're inside Monstro. They're going to build a big fire, and Monstro sneezes them out. But uh, Monstro gets very mad, chases them down, destroys their uh, raft. And Geppetto says, Pinocchio, save yourself. And Pinocchio, um, instead of uh, swimming to safety in this sort of little cave by the shore, he grabs Geppetto and seemingly at his own life expense, he saves Geppetto's life. The shot of Pinocchio face down in the water, (laughs) seemingly dead. Holy crap. I was like, what the hell? I didn't remember that shot. I had definitely blocked that out of my memory. That like threw me when I watched it this morning. I was like, are you kidding me? Absolutely. It's it's a rough shot. And, you know, it's not seemingly dead. I think he's dead. And I think he comes back to life. But how is he dead? Because before, Pinocchio is just like wandering around on the ocean floor. He ties a rock to himself Good point. and he walks Good around. Point. Because he's a wooden boy. He doesn't have lungs. So, okay, I can believe that he can spend all of this time underwater and not need to breathe. Jiminy Cricket, on the other hand, he should need oxygen. But whatever, I'll look past that. But so then what kills Pinocchio? I guess he's just damaged by Monstro. And, you know, he is made of wood. So, you know, maybe there was a big fracture in part of the uh, spine or something. Who knows? 
Well, I mean, then why not show it? I mean, you show the kid lifeless face down. Like, why not just show like a, a crack in his back or something while you're traumatizing kids? I think a better shot for the remake will be a broken puppet. You're absolutely right. Rather than a face down drowning, like that horrible, horrible scene. Right, right. But then, you know, the blue fairy comes and revives him and makes him into a real boy. But she had said that he needed to be brave, truthful, and unselfish. By sacrificing himself to save Geppetto, he is being brave and unselfish. But the truthful thing he doesn't really do. And the thing that Pinocchio is famous for is that when he tells a lie, his nose grows. And I was surprised that in the movie, that happens one time. It happens once, maybe, I don't know, halfway, a third of the way, whatever it is into the movie. And then it's dropped. Pinocchio says, I'll never lie again, I promise. And that's it. And like, I was expecting that to come back. And there is a moment when it kind of could, because when they're inside Monstro, Geppetto says, what happened to you, Pinocchio? Like when he sees the ears and the tail and Pinocchio says, well, and then Geppetto says, all right, you know what? I don't care. What matters is that we're together. But I really felt like that was the opportunity for him to be tempted to lie and maybe even start lying a little. But then, no, no, this is my dad. I have to be honest. I learned my lesson. And then he would be truthful. And they don't do that at all. That seemed weird. That seemed like a missing part of the character growth. You're absolutely right. Uh, he doesn't want Geppetto to be mad at him. All he has to do is look like he's about to say something. Then look at his nose or look at Jiminy Cricket. Yeah. And Jiminy Cricket just has to like, you know, he doesn't have to tell him what to do, but just look at him. And this is the climax of the film. So you're right. I'm going to guess that the film that came out yesterday, it's too late for them to take our advice. But I'm going to guess that <laughs> they took our advice retroactively. Sure. And if we are right, then I would just say, hey, Disney. I know what I'm talking about over here. You want to like give me a, a nice cushy job working on these live action remakes? I know. We're amazing at this. Totally. But James, let me ask you, do you think that 1940s Pinocchio stands the test of time? Um, I think the film is beautiful. It still holds up animation wise. There's a few shots that are just a little bit terrifying to me, but... It is a great film. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was wonderful. Does it stand the test of time? This film is something to show to a five-year-old? Perhaps not, because <laughs> I was I was incredibly scared of this film as a kid. And it's not one of those things that I look at it and I go, I mean, how was I really that scared of uh, you know the Fratellis and, and the Goonies? Like, you know, they're not as scary as I remember them. But I still think that a lot of this film is absolutely terrifying. You have the child abduction out of nowhere. You have Geppetto that's just like, what the fuck? I sent my kid and there is no trace of him anywhere. So little trace. I've looked everywhere. I'm going to sail out to the ocean and try to find him. Pinocchio's seeming death the uh the horrible scene with the uh boys that are like still talking as 
as donkeys and they're like, please bring me back to my mama. I, I mean, I think that this film is incredibly scary, but it's a triumph. And, you know, again, I'm not sure I would tell someone to show this to a five-year-old, but in terms of uh, animation, it, it absolutely stands the test of time. We've already talked about the things, the spanking and, you know, may, maybe tone down the smoking and that stuff. But like overall, the film really is a triumph and overall still stands up as a beautiful film. What do you think, Al? Yeah, I mean, I think there is a lot about this movie that really does stand the test of time. The animation, the songs, the sort of idea of a conscience and listening to your conscience. There's a line where Jiminy Cricket says, the trouble with the world today is people don't listen to their conscience. And I think that's every bit as true today as it was in 1940. You know, people know the difference between right and wrong, and they just do the wrong thing anyway. And so that all does work for me. But I think the biggest problem with the movie is that Pinocchio, I don't really think, learns the difference between right and wrong. I think he learns valuable lessons, but it's more about, like, how to be a person. And I'll say it again, as a father, to teach your children the difference between right and wrong, that is a long, slow process. It doesn't just happen one day. It's not like when you explain to the kids that the stove is hot, don't touch the stove. That's like one easy lesson that you just explain one day. But like right and wrong is a thing that I, as a father, I'm still teaching my kids anytime something happens of like we're driving and an ambulance is trying to go by and some cars aren't pulling over. I say, hey, the right thing to do is to pull over for the ambulance. There's just a million little lessons all of the time. And I don't know that this movie really nails the teaching Pinocchio the difference between right and wrong, which is ostensibly a central theme. Also, other things that don't stand the test of time, after Pinocchio is brought to life, Geppetto hears a noise, and he's walking around his shop with a gun. That's right. There's a big gun, and he's shaking his hand. Right. He's like an old man, and he's nervous. I think like he kind of points it at Pinocchio, maybe accidentally, maybe not. But like it goes off, and like that's definitely not going to be in the remake. Oh, a Big, big thing that does not stand the test of time. When Stromboli is talking about his world tour that he's going to take Pinocchio on, he mentions all the cities they're going to go to, Paris, and he's going to bring him here, he's going to bring him there. He's going to bring Pinocchio to Constantinople. No, 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 no. If you have a date in Constantinople, she'll be waiting in Istanbul. That does not stand the test of time, James. Good reference, good reference. They might be giants. Nice. Yes. Uh. But even though the movie does have its flaws, I think it does stand the test of time. It is a classic. It is a movie that is really ripe for a remake. And honestly, I didn't watch this with my kids. They weren't interested in watching the old version. I don't know that they'll be interested in watching the new live action one. But now, having just watched the animated one, I really do want to see it. I want to see what they're going to do with the new version. The cast is insane. You have Tom Hanks as Geppetto. You have Joseph Gordon-Levitt as the voice of Jiminy Cricket. Keegan-Michael Key is Honest John. It's directed by Robert Zemeckis. I mean, this could be awesome. Like, I really do want to watch it. 
And maybe that sounds weird that I'm a 42 year old man who really wants to watch the new Disney movie, but I am curious. Robert Zemeckis has proved himself to be not only a fantastic director, he's had more hits than misses, in my opinion, and Robert Zemeckis has always been known as a director that's on the uh, cutting edge of technology, Back to the Future, and uh, Forrest Gump, and Contact, and The Polar Express, and he is a technology guy, so he's a perfect guy to do one of these live action shots. Disney has done a lot with their uh, remakes when they follow one simple form Keep what's working. Don't change major things. Fix the things that obviously need fixing. And they've done that to a great success for the most part. Yes, they have. And I think that it does kind of make more sense for them to do live action remakes of their older properties because those older movies do have more things that just need fixing from like a storytelling point of view. I'm not even just talking about like the politically correct stuff. I mean, you know, the fact that there are three villains in this movie that don't have any comeuppance, like that's just weird. Like that feels weird, not just as like a Disney movie or an animated movie, but just as a movie. Like I think we as audiences expect certain things from our stories now than people did in 1940 because the whole movie making medium was so brand new. If we're introduced to a villain, we expect there to be an end to that story. The coachman turns children into donkeys and sells them into slavery. And that's it. No, 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 no. We need to know what happens. Pinocchio or Geppetto or Jiminy Cricket needs to rescue all of these kids and teach them a lesson. And then maybe Pinocchio could learn a lesson from the coachman. Hey, that's a person who's bad. That person makes bad decisions. You don't want to be like him. And that's a way for Pinocchio to learn the difference between right and wrong. He's wrong. You should be right. There's plenty of material here for them to improve. I think the lesson for you, Al, is always let your co-host be your guide. I don't know about that. I think that is incorrect. Um, I do just want to mention one quick thing about Robert Zemeckis. His last movie was also a remake. It was The Witches. And remember, we did like the old 80s Witches movie, and then he did the, the new version for HBO Max. That is one of the movies that has been removed from HBO Max. Now with their new leadership, that movie's gone. All right, well, that's going to do it for us this week. Next week, we're going to be talking about The Game, a movie that is turning 25. This is a movie that you have been asking to do on the podcast so many times. And I'm like, the anniversary's coming up. Let's just wait a little bit longer for the 25th anniversary. And you've been holding out, you've been patient, and next week we will be talking about The Game, starring Michael Douglas. Yes, and for those of you who have never seen The Game... Don't read the synopsis, don't read the one-liner, just watch this film raw and completely blind. And we'll talk about it next week. I'm looking forward to that. I know you are too. In the meantime, we want to hear from you. Talk to us on social media. We are at Test of Time Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Let us know your thoughts about the original Pinocchio, about the new version, about any Disney movies, any live-action remakes, wooden boys, puppets. If you want to just tell us what you had for lunch, like that's fine too. And uh, you can also email us at the Test of Time Podcast at gmail.com. And we will see you next time, everybody. Bye.